This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome back to the final feature show of ESSR for the year 2023. I'm legally obligated to tell you that it's the final feature of the show. It's in my contract, David Campbell made me say it. But it is the final feature of the year and we're building up to the most special day of the year. No, not Christmas Day, not even Rusev Day. But this today here, today, why today is the Judgment Day. I hope you've all got your black and purple Christmas trees up and you've all said you've told your dads how much of a deadbeat they are. We are here to talk about the true leader of the of the Judgment Day. That is Mammy Rhea Ripley. A short but very eventful career she has had, and we are here to talk about it today. Me, Phil McLeod, who like Rhea Ripley barge my way through the division to get myself to host this show. I said I humbly accept this request after I told everyone to get the fuck away from it. All right, settled in, Christian Cage. <laughs> oh, yeah, what, what, not... what a star that is. <laughs> yes, He's fucking wearing a could... Christian shirt as well. Star? <laughs> anyway, I had to get Timmy to cut that out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the Judgment Day is like a family, and now I find it like a family, and that you don't get, you don't ask for them, you get given them, and you have to accept it. So I've accepted what I've been given. Uh, joining me today to discuss this, uh, I am also contractually obliged to say that this is her grand return to ESSR. It's not even the biggest return of the last 24 hours as we record this the day after Survivor Series. Uh, CM Punk can do one. <laughs> actually up the bastard upstaged me. Not even like he upstaged Van Yorn. And me. How dare he? <laughs> uh, Sarah, go cry me a river. <laughs> anyway. uh, well, I'll just sit here and just be happy that Christian Cage is, you know, so well and loved in the world. You do that. Yeah. And let's... let's <laughs> anyway... They always talk about Christian and dead dads. Uh, it's throwing me off. <laughs> anyway. Doing what I do best. That has been mean to go on. Yeah. 
No, you mean to go on. And that voice is the, the voice of the man who made a return of his own in the Bray Wyatt Future Show and has managed to pop back up whether we wanted to or not. Like when we didn't want JD in the judgment day, at least Damien Priest didn't want him in the judgment day, but he is here with only a mediumly sized head compared to, to JD as Daniel Cavallo. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'd like to also reveal that I am shedding the identity of Daniel Campbell. I'm going to reveal my true self. I am Chris Anthony Lopez, coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois. I'm so happy to be on the show. I've swapped out my nice, lovely head of hair for this crap thing that I've got on right now. The people listening to this, you're lucky. You can't see this. The other people can. So, yeah, enjoy my lovely American accent. I will be here for the rest of this evening. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, he sounds much like an American as Dick Van Dyke sounded like an Englishman back in Mary Poppins. Anyway. <laughs> We've gone from Christian Cage and Dead Dads to Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. This is a well read of an episode. <laughs> I mean, I once got not one, not two, but three Spice Girls references in our episode of East Meets West one time. I can do anything here on this show. Anyway, moving on to... Well, the final member of this panel, we wondered for ages, is, <laughs> is Drew McIntyre part of the Judgment Day or is he just associated with them? I've never been on a show with this man. I kept wondering if he was a real person. Is he a part of ESSR? Is he ESSR adjacent? The first time myself and Matt Smith are on the same show. Matt, oh, damn it. I, just, I was about to say, I loved you in Doctor Who, but I've told you you're the wrong person. So clearly there's been an admin error on their part. <laughs> Survivor Series weekend, known for its big debuts. Um, <laughs> delighted to be here. Um, finally, after what seems like many years, actually appearing on a show, and what a topic um, we have to talk about. Yeah, a debut fitting of Survivor Series weekend. I'm glad that you've decided to join us inside your giant gobbledygooker egg. I'm amazed you're able to get such great signal in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gobbledygooker, Undertaker, Shield, and now Matt Smith. What a run. Yes. One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> but I would like to remind you before we get started that we are available on all good Android podcasts and say Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a like, rating, or review on your chosen platform. Check out our most recent feature shows like Bray Wyatt, Roddy Piper. We've got some great shows coming up uh, in the new year. One tied into a member of the Judgment Day coming out next month, and he may or may not be a deadbeat. But. We've also got episodes of Sad Draft Live every Saturday. We have East Meets West, as I mentioned, every so often we have ESSR Central, a show that Russell try and remind you is a flagship show every chance he gets, even though I'm the one who had to host it most recently at time recording. Uh, also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Super Get involved in the conversation. Talk, give your thoughts on these people that we are featuring on these shows. Talk, get your uh, opinions in about the big questions that are read every week on ESSR Central and get involved in the Listener's League and this Saturday Drive Live, and get yourself ridiculed regularly by David Campbell. Anyway, on to Rhea Ripley. I'm going to feed through this little early portion to get to the point where we really get to know Rhea Ripley as a person. Rhea Ripley was born in Adelaide, South Australia, and on October 11th, 1996, a full month after me. I am one month older than Rhea Ripley, and that was the strangest fact I've learned in a long time. Jesus, Scott, you're ancient. I know. I just feel the grey hairs just coming over me and the wrinkles that appear. Time is a cruel bitch. Just remember the last time I saw you on your birthday. 
Moving on. <laughs> that feels like a story. Oh, don't start, Matt. It was Not a wonderful it. night. No, I will. Well, I'll. I'll. I'll message in the chat later. She started out on the independent scene in Australia in 2013, worked her way around smaller shows until 2017. Now, there's not much information out there around uh, her career there. She worked for a company called Riot City Wrestling in Australia. And I think because the Australian wrestling isn't as big as, say, America or the UK, there's not much known about it. They don't even have a thing uh, online about who trained her in Australia because under trained by it just says WWE Performance Centre and Scotty Too Hotty. So there you go. And the fact that we've never seen Rhea Ripley bust out the worm, not just once, is just a crime against humanity, I swear. But we got to we got to know Rhea, we all introduced her here the WWE Universe in 2017 and the inaugural May Young Classic. And like if you hadn't seen that, that show and you watched uh, Rhea Ripley's bit to camera before her first match and you saw her, you'd be like, that's not Rhea Ripley. Who? What is this lie you are telling me? Who is this woman? So you and I did a show years and years ago, it feels like, uh, about the first May Young Classic in advance of the second one airing 2018. And we talked about uh, all the competitors and where they've gone on to, to be. And I think we can agree that Rhea Ripley, out of everyone in that tournament, probably is like a million miles away from what she was in that first tournament. Oh, my God. I mean... It was even said in our pre-match interviews of how much she looks like Charlotte. Mm. And with all fairness, if you just looked at her long blonde hair, barely any makeup, all happy, a pair of shorts and a tank top, basically. And you're like, okay, that, that, that looks like Charlotte. And then fast forward to 2023, and she is the gothic mammy of <laughs> the world. I know, it was literally night and day, this happy, gulky, long blonde hair, smiling. The main thing is, she's from Australia, she's one of the youngest people in this tournament. Did you know she used to play soccer? She also looks a bit like Charlotte Flair. That was the main talking points. I mean, I tried to tune out commentary in the main classic, especially the first one with JR and Lita, the fucking yeah. dream team right there. Hey. Uh, she didn't get too far in the main classic. She won her first match against Miranda... Salanis, I believe that's uh, hopefully that's how you pronounce it, before uh, losing to Dakota Kai in the second round, a woman she would come to know very well in the early years of her NXT run. But, Daniel, as we joked about, we got the first hints of what we know Rhea is now the very next year because she went away, went back to Rhea, tried to reinvent herself because maybe she didn't like the fact that she looked so much like Charlotte Flair. And even... Well, look, I mean, as jarring as it was then, even this is still a million miles away from Gothic Judgment Day we have now. Just a wee bit. She came back with the shorter hair, the kind of more like an almost Baker girl-like style look that she came back with. And mm-hmm. it was a game changer even then. Like, you go from, uh, you know, potential Charlotte Flair lookalike to, hey, my fiance all of a sudden thinks you look really hot. You know, it's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, like, it was a huge change. Like, you, you, you notice right away that when someone's done those two shows back to back and then they come back and reinvent themselves. So it's not like, you know, it was like, oh, hey, I'm back for round two. It was, I am going to own this. Mm-hmm. So that was very much the vibe we got with it. 
<laughs> yeah, man, I mean, do you have many memories of Rio Ripley back then? Did you make much of an impression on you in any of their tournaments? I think there was always something there, uh, even even back in 17 and 18, before she really broke through. It's, it's, it is staggering, that evolution, though. Like, it, six yeah. years isn't the longest time. You know, you think about some performers who have barely changed. Um, Thoughts turn to somebody like The Miz, who is basically exactly the same as he's been, you know, in, in improved in the ring, but look-wise has, 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 has barely changed in, in well over a decade. But that evolution... Yeah, I think there was a spark there, but to think that she could become, you know, arguably the the, the biggest women's re- wrestler in the world in that that short, I can't I can't say that I saw that in her, you know, mm-hmm. six years ago. Yeah, at least she really made an effort to try and make herself stand out in the year since there, because obviously, like I said, she probably didn't want to look too much like Charlotte Flair, because it was a case of well, they've already got a Charlotte Flair, and you know, WWE has an abundance of long blonde-haired women. Like it's like Eva Marie. She said years ago she got told you look like the Bella. So I'm like, oh well, they already have the Bella. So that's so that's why she went red. That's why she dyed her hair red all those years ago. True story, apparently. But yeah, she comes back. She's one of the few people asked to come back who was competing in the first year's tournament. Uh, she comes back completely new, and she does much better in this tournament. Although one of the matches she won when she wasn't really meant to. We'll get to that. Saying Rhea Ripley came back, she defeated MJ Jenkins in the first round. Yes, that MJ Jenkins. Uh, before going on to defeat Casey Catanzaro in the second round, now known as Katara Chance on Monday Night Raw. And she was supposed to go out in the quarterfinals to the originally planned tournament winner, Tegan Knox. When, after only three minutes, Tegan does a dive to the outside and unfortunately injures her knee instantly. The match has to be stopped. She has to have her ACL repaired, which is shocking because she only just came back from her ACL surgery on the other knee which she injured during training shortly after signing in 2016. So it was a very sad uh, incident for her, but Rhea Ripley shows she understands the business, brother, brother, because instantly she went on Twitter and her profile picture became that shot of her standing over Tegan while Tegan sits in the corner crying. And you really realize, like, yep, she's she gets it now. She's got a more defined role as a heel because she didn't really stand out that much in the front where they're like, nope, she's definitely a heel now. But she then had to lose in the semifinals to Io Shirai, who would actually go on to win the turn? Well, no, she went win. She went on to the finals to lose the tournament winner Tony Storm at WWE Evolution. But clear through here, I mean, I think it's fair to say Rhea Ripley is one of many Triple H picks. You know, some of the Triple H season, like Triple H. I don't know if you know, Triple H is a little bit into heavy metal music, so clearly this is what Rhea Ripley was going for. She managed to pique Uncle Paul's interest, and he signed her up to his new experiment, NXT. UK. We all remember NXT UK. Uh, so we probably Leave the memories alone. Uh, we'll always have Johnny C and his four man fatals. But she comes to NXT UK. And she has the distinction of becoming the first ever NXT UK women's champion, winning a tournament, defeating Zaya Brookside, Dakota Kai, and ultimately the person everyone thought was going to win the tournament, Tony Storm, in the finals. Now, there's just one issue with this tournament. They taped it in August and didn't air any of the matches until November because they just couldn't get their finger out their arse when it comes to airing episodes. And then had to rush them by doing two episodes every Thursday because they realised we've booked a a takeover in January and we've done four tapings and none of them have aired. So they had to rush through it. So it made Rhea Rebels look even shorter than it actually was. 
And what's sad for Rhea is she was actually meant to be on WWE Evolution defending the women's title because said all women's belts will be defended. But obviously, they couldn't have a tight champion on who no one had seen yet. So they made her defend it in a dark match against Dakota Kai. I mean, of course. It's totally normal. Yeah, so so rather than the network audience being confused, just a live crowd in the and I believe it was in Long Island somewhere. They take they did this show. Just a live crowd can be give you like all these Americans turning to each other and equally at the same time saying, "This is an NXT UK, huh?" <laughs> but she managed to fit in two successful defenses in her short reign as champion, defeating Isla Dawn and Diona Perazzo. <laughs> I keep forgetting was even part of WWE. But Seda, you and I got the distinction, if I call it that, of being there to see her lose the title to Tony Storm at NXT UK Blackpool 1. I'm sure that match has never left your mind. Um, all I can remember is just Tony and her facial expressions. Um, that's much, like, that's all I can remember. <laughs> I'm just, it's been a, it's, it's, it was a long time ago. I mean... Well, we are. We were coming up on this coming January. We're coming up on five years since that first. Yeah, exactly. Tape was I can't remember what I did five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, the way yes, I can. <laughs> Saw the chat there. Um. So, <laughs> yeah, it's Stephen. Like they realised because like we all knew NXT UK was coming. Um. And like they did the tapings with all fairs. I think everyone just read the spoilers because. Mm-hmm. We were just like, well, it's going to take fucking ages. Don't know when this is happening. And then, yeah, they were like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. You're like, right, I can, I can make a dirty joke out of that, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> and we were just sitting waiting impatiently, and we were all just getting tired. We are like, when the fuck is this going to happen? And then, like you said, they realised it was going to be a very, very short thing. They're like, oh, yeah. We've done this. Crap. Right. Okay. Here's the plan. We're just going to run this and this and this and this and this, and it'll be right on time for the takeover. And then we'll do the more sexy tapings because, you know, it, it was it was epically per time management, which I felt really bad for Rhea, um, because like she only did those three title defenses and then went into this one when you you knew that Tony Storm was going to take it, but at the same time, Rhea was bigger than that women's division at the time anyway. Um, so it was more of a, well, she's going to drop it and she's hopefully going to be one of the ones that was just put in there for a little bit more fine-tuning, as we all know, Triple H's girl, um, and make her way over to the American brand, where I think she was just originally meant to be, but mm-hmm. until they got up and running. Because I don't think a lot of people, I know that Tony Stormer made it to like the semi-finals and everything in the final, like the past May Young Classics, but she wasn't really connecting in a way. Um, and like now it's obviously a different story. I mean, she's absolutely fucking hilarious now, but she doesn't really get that charisma. Like she, it's the whole underdog too so happy to be here whereas Rhea looked dominant and looked like she deserved to be that first champion and then that transcended to when she moved over to the US brand as well yeah I think it very much was a case of maybe 
give her some more time to develop in NXT UK. But very quickly, she did feel like the big fish of a small pond. And like me and Dave were even talking about it recently on Episode Essential. In those five years, look where Tony and Rhea are now in terms of the wrestling world. And, you know, like Tony, I did not give a fuck about Tony Storm when I went and saw that match live. I was kind of disappointed that she won it because, like, they were using their fact, like, oh, yeah, she's using her Mian Classic title opportunity to get this thing. Like, you're still not going to make this feel like a big thing. Like, Tony, stop make, trying to make Tony time happen. It's not happening. Yeah. I mean, so got- also, I mean, with all fairness, they had the women coming over from Worldly Sport. And that's when it was shown that Kaylee Ray was in the audience, and we were just like, "Huh? Isn't she? Isn't she meant to be champion?" And then obviously when that was announced, she dropped it to Viper, and then Viper dropped it to be Priestley. And funny enough, all of them ended up in WWE. Yeah. Bizarre. If it were not allowed to say that uh, NXT UK was a response to World of Sport, because people don't like that, but. Yeah, it does feel like these two, like these two Australian women fighting over the NXT UK Women's Championship, was very much a placeholder. We need to get the two bigger, two of the bigger UK women, i.e., Kaylee Ray and Viper, because very quickly, within a couple of months, by the next day, where Tony's dropping that belt to Kaylee Ray, and then Rhea transitions into a feud with Viper. So who's the strongest woman? That was the thing, and then they tie a tease Rhea as a face, but she really didn't have anything more to do now that she'd had that run as champion. Which Matt takes us to. NXT August of 2019, a house in days of NXT black and gold. But she comes out and confronts Shayna Baszler, basically coming out after saying most of her time in NXT UK as a heel, comes out as this more tweener, badass kind of character, basically says, well, you've not, you be, say you've beaten everyone, you haven't beaten me, and kind of immediately established herself to the US audience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, for me, that's the first moment where Rhea really breaks breaks through at a different level. You really start to see her go go up through the gears and, and that feud with Shayna through the latter half of 2019. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about false starts um, with Miss Ripley, um, particularly over the first few years. But that felt like, to me, that first real breakthrough, um, the feud with Shayna and then the main roster appearance uh, to, to come in, in and... and it's you know the, the the that high point of NXT that I think we all look back on fondly. It's kind of got, got back to 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 some degree of where it was, but that real breakthrough. I love Sarah's headwear for those who can see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. If, if that was the first moment that the feud with with, with Shayna that you, you could actually see something in in Rhea and the star that she could potentially become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Like I said, it was weird because at the time, Shayna was on this very dominant run uh, as champion, like almost a year-long reign. She'd beaten pretty much everybody that was in NXT at the time. She beat Io, Kyrie, like pretty much everybody, even Mia Yim. She'd, I think she was coming off a defence against Mia Yim at TakeOver Toronto too. And so basically everyone was like, who in NXT are they going to build up together? Like, And the answer was, no, we're going to bring someone entirely different and build them up to, to fight Shayna Baszler. And uh, Daniel, I've mentioned in the notes that it's pretty much a meteoric rise from here because 
She captains her own War Games team, the first ever female War Games match. And despite being four against two, because Dakota Kai betrays the team and takes out Tegan Knox and buggers off, uh, Rhea still manages to be uh, on the surviving team, winning team alongside Candice LeRae. And then the very next night is picked by Triple H to lead NXT's women's team in the 5-1-5-1-5 women's match and is a sole survivor in that as well. So basically, not only is she going toe-to-toe with some of the top stars on NXT, but she's going toe-to-toe with the top stars on Raw and SmackDown. I think one of the final people they beat on team, like the WWE side, is like SmackDown, Sasha Banks at the time, who's on the midst of the thing with Bailey, who they were dominating, like SmackDown, they were going to dominate both brands in the next year. But not only that, but she was representing NXT, but being one of the standard bearers of NXT, one of the people defending NXT, despite only being there for a few months. So basically, it was like it was basically an advert for NXT. Like, if you don't know who these people are, here's some of the people I'm building up here, especially Rhea Ripley. This is written at Daniel. I mean, looking at Ripley's rise at that point, mm-hmm. like no wonder the the pick was done. I mean, given like first off, she had. A brilliant performance in not only the War Games match, but then you do the five on five match, but not five on five on five at Survivor Series. Like she went in, and I still remember the finish because I can't mind who it was for because I know Charlotte's doing uh, figure eight, I think it's on Sasha, and then Rhea just like slides in, crucifix one, two, three, steals the win. It's like there's the two former flag bearers of NXT and the new kid on the blocks just went and outsmarted them in spectacular fashion. Like, you couldn't, you can't even deny at that point Rhea's going to be a big name considering that Triple H was like, right, okay, let's put her in this position. Let's have her be with Charlotte and Sasha. Quite frankly, if there was an alternate world where Sasha was still in WWE right now, I'd still love to see more of like the three of them mixing it up in a match. But yeah, that that world doesn't exist sadly. Yeah, there was it was like three on one at one point for the end because the final survivors are Rhea, Io, and Candice for Team NXT, with the other two members being Tony Storm, who hadn't made the full transition yet over to the US, and Bianca Belair. So just looking at that talent on the on the NXT side, and yeah, I think uh, Matt, there was pretty much a guarantee after her book in the last few years. She was like, she's the one, and like she's the one who's going to get the belt off of Shayna. And pretty much, it felt like they were going to build the division around her, like not only NXT, but hope you'd hope the main roster going forward. Yeah, it's a crazy run over what just a few weeks winning War Games, the Survivor Series moment, big wins on TV, and then winning the NXT title in is it December um is, yeah I think it's heading into Christmas that year like that is just not just putting a rocket on somebody that's you know and and, and not been really seen from a, from a female performer coming through NXT and making those kind of um big moves like it was, it was clear she had been you know handpicked to be the next in line and then we know what happens next yeah, I mean, so War Games happens obviously in November. The next takeover isn't till February, so they could have easily just held off until that moment on a big takeover there. But they just said, no, we were striking while they are in Scotland. They did it like it was like the final NXT of 2019. They had that moment. They main evented the show. 
she beat Shayna Baszler and had that moment with all the fans who've now embraced her, all these fans like lifting her up on their shoulders. Rhea Ripley goes into 2020 as the face of the NXT women's division. And bizarrely, they decide, oh, you know what we're going to do? Again, they're still trying to make NXT a big thing because now they're on TV. Decided, it's still a big thing for, for Rhea to be in the spot, even despite what happened. But they decided, you know what you're going to do? We're going to have the Royal Rumble winner go after the NXT one and say, oh, what a... What, a, what prestige to put on the NXT themselves that a Royal Rumble winner would rather fight for that title. The only issue was the, the Royal Rumble winner of 2020 for the women was Charlotte Flair. Suck up, yeah. You're about, you're about to get people very angry, I think, over the next little bit of the pod. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, considering, like, like, the thought process behind that, though, yeah... At the end of the day, because you, you, I think it was in the back of everyone's minds. Nobody had a thought that they would try and push the NXT stuff as being like that third brand. Like we always knew Triple H was trying to do it, and folk were just somehow not accepting it. Um, which was all fairness after the brand redevelopment and everything. There's no wonder that they didn't accept it. They were like, "Nah, it's back. To, it's going to go back to development. It's okay." Um that when you're sitting going oh right okay so that would be kind of cool but that would also be kind of cool and then you don't expect the challenger to go to the royal rumble winner and just be like hi i'm here too and you're too much of a bitch to like go against me and basically kind of go in charlotte into it which i think it was so smart the way they did it because it played more into via's character being that badass that literally maybe a bit of a cocky champion a little bit but at the same time like still you know I'm in this picture I'm just as good as these people here um but I think it definitely surprised a lot of people I don't think anyone can truthfully say that they knew that Charlotte was going to be challenging for the NXT Women's Championship when she had apparently left that all behind yeah, it was, it was an interesting idea again, like trying to make NXT seem like more prestigious and the idea that Rhea herself was the one who came out to Charlotte and said, why don't you try facing me? Like, why don't you try coming for this spell? Everything, because Charlotte had been the champion way back and she'd lost it back in 2015. That's the last time she'd been NXT Women's Champion. And it was a great idea, Daniel, but I think, again, everybody knowing like, oh, it's like it's going up against Charlotte Flair. And the moment where they have her come out and confront Charlotte is kind of hampered when you have yeah, I'm pretty sure Jerry Lawler's on contrary at that point of that brief run. And I think I'm pretty sure he's there, like, who is this? Yeah. Like, Jerry Lawler, the man who represents the women's division best, sure. Um, like, it was... Like... Try to form a sense, Daniel. Okay, here we go. So, seeing Rhea come out at that moment, challenging Charlotte, like Sarah was saying, it fits so much into that vibe of Hey, I know you've got your eye on them, but I'm here. You tempted? Really? Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Wait, it fit in very well. But Jerry doing that and like, hey, we're at the point now where the NST folks are like that recognizable. Like, it should not be a case of, oh, who's that? It shouldn't be that now. It should be a. Holy crap, they're here? Mm-hmm. Like, if they had done that, 
I would have been more a believer of the whole thing, but no. Typical, you know, Jerry Lawlerism being like, oh, I don't know who that is. Just it, it, it ruined it for me. That's that's actually with Jerry Law, because his whole thing was not being told things so he could react genuinely. But if he genuinely doesn't watch NXT, and I don't think he that's how he spends his Wednesday nights, then of course when somebody from NXT shows up, he's not going to give it the gravitas it deserves. And then, much like when people were ruthlessly teased in 2013 that CM Punk would be in the main event of WrestleMania 29, fans of NXT were, were sadly teased with the possibility of, you know, we could have a triple threat, we could put Bianca Belair in here, because Bianca was the challenger for Rhea at uh, take over Portland in February and she kept teasing, you know, Charlotte, it might not be Rhea that you face if you want that belt, it could be me. And I think I still don't think they properly pulled the trigger with Bianca and Charlotte, which is weird to think of it given that they're in that weird triple threat feud recently. But anyway, uh, and then we had that infamous, obviously, the thing kept going around social media at the time, which looked at Charlotte and went, You don't even go here. And then they had a match on NXT, which I'm pretty sure Charlotte just won. So it's like, oh, no, no WrestleMania 36 for you, Bianca. No WrestleMania match. You can awkwardly come out in front of nobody and stand by your husband as we awkwardly tell people, by the way, she's with the Street Profits now before she disappears again. But, you know, it also didn't help the build to WrestleMania. When you look back on it, there's a segment on NXT one week where Rhea does a promo in the, in the stadium that she's meant to, the WrestleMania was meant to have that year. And you went, I can't wait for that moment where all these thousands of people get to see me come out as the NXT Women's Champion. Like, well, she was getting pretty practice for sitting there with the title in front of nobody because that's what they got at WrestleMania when they had to go to the Performance Center. Matt, I'll come to you first about the match. The match itself is a great match. So they open night two with it. I think WrestleMania night one has kind of surpassed some people's expectations with the Boneyard match and things like that. And then this match opens the show. It's a great match despite the fact that the grunting during the submission moves is too loud, especially when it's echoing throughout the fucking performance centre. All you can hear is that and Michael Cole. But I don't think anybody in their right mind, like, I think there was that hope more so than anything else that they wouldn't put the NXT belt back on Charlotte, would they? Like, she's not an NXT person. Yeah, I, I kind of really want to give the benefit of the doubt for those early days of the pandemic, because I, I do think the company did really, really well to put on the, the standard of show that it did. I hate thinking about sort of that period of 2020 because obviously it was so dark and challenging for us all. But, you, you know, I, I think Charlotte Charlotte and Rhea have always had good matches and and, and that one's obviously in, in a weird context. Um, they still they still put on a, a, a good show. A question back for you, Scott. Do we know how much... So my memory of that period is then Rhea goes into a whole issue with her visa and 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 the pandemic may have exacerbated you know or or, ch- or changed what what may have been the plan do we do we know if the original plan was Rhea to win there and because of the pandemic because of her visa issues that because because I do wonder in hindsight if it makes more sense that that plan actually changed from 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 the original um the original one I believe that would be a story at the time. I don't know if it was ever properly confirmed that was what was happening, but because then she does disappear, but she's back by the next takeover in the summer for In Your House, because it's her, Charlotte, and you and a triple threat in the main event. So Cause it, but, do, it does just make no sense when you think about um, yeah, kind of that moment, the you know getting a rub from somebody with with the star power Charlotte at the time. I I do wonder again. I'm, 
an optimistic person, I do wonder if that is actually a plan changing and, and, and you know, they have to go on the fly and, 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 and move things around a bit. I mean, for the, for the context of a empty performance center, it's, it's, it's still a good watch. I watched it back this morning. Um, but yeah, I wonder how much plans changed um, with, with the external circumstances. Uh, Daniel, sir, do you guys have any thoughts about the match itself, as opposed to, not just the decision to put the belt on Charlotte, but the match itself? Super Saiyan armor. I liked it. <laughs> yes, it was pretty. <laughs> Didn't really help her um, at that point, but. Mm. Yeah, her power level subscription... was under nine thousand. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, I would I would say it was definitely surprising. It was kind of gutting actually, because. Um, Obviously, Charlotte is Marmite of the women's division. You either love her or you either hate her. It depends on the time. It depends on how long she's been away for and how long she's not had a title. Um, uh, it was kind of gutting for Rhea. Um, and like I, I just went and double-checked like, the announcement. The triple, um, not Triple H. Like, the WWE did announce that, like, um, that we had to take hiatus and go back to Australia due to visa issues, um, which, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it was the pandemic and there wasn't really a lot of stuff for NXT going on. I, in my opinion, think they could have just kept that title on via. I mean, if Kayleigh Ray can hold on to the title throughout the entirety of, you know, NXT UK going through the pandemic, then I'm pretty sure Rhea could have held on to it for another couple of months. Um and just, you know, been like a cocky bastard, like either doing like video packages or, you know, tweeting things because there was so many different ways around it. Um but I know that WWE obviously worked a lot differently than say Impact or AEW doing like a bunch of tapings in the one go. They were still they were just performing to an empty crowd. As opposed to what like like what AEW did and had like their own talent acting as fans at ringside, which with all fairs off some gun, that was the best act they ever did. Um, but they, it was like it was a big gut, and then you were just like, nah, surely, surely they're not going to put that for Charlotte because then what the hell's going to happen? Who the hell's legitimate enough to beat Charlotte Flair in NXT and like? Shayna had transitioned away, she had done her thing, and then you had like Bianca dipping in and out a little bit and EO up and coming. But it didn't seem to have that kind of chemistry that that you know, because Charlotte was an outsider and I am one of the people that did do the Damien of Mean Girls go, she doesn't even go here. And it was it was true. She like she had done her time. She had left, she went on to bigger things, well, I would say bigger things, other things. Um, and for altering, like, the finish or, like, the way it went, you don't even know when that thing's all changed as well. Like, that's a stupid mystery of wrestling behind the scenes. It can go anything up to, like, a minute before the match, as in some things have happened. So I, I do believe that they, they could have kept that title on her just to hopefully kind of not have to I would say make it a little bit easier and not change their plans totally um, and just go right okay we've got Rhea's had to go away Charlotte's just going to be a substitute and it's like unfortunately that takes Charlotte away from something else 
that could have been that could have been one of the up and comers that are going through the main roster. Maybe that could have been like their big moment to maybe I make like make a make a mark on something, um, or do something like incredible or the chance to work with Charlotte in a less tense and I would say pressured environment as well. Because when when you look at Charlotte, most decorated woman ever. And then Rhea's had to go away and basically sit on the other side of the world. And it makes me feel shit for her that she had to go through that. I mean, to add to that as well, just very quickly, like WrestleMania 36, if I remember correctly, they taped that two weeks before it aired. So, you know, we don't quite know still even how long it was all going on for. But I, I think that was something that, I mean, like, let's... Like with hindsight now of the last like three years, well three and a half whatever years, you've had guys like going away for a while, coming back and still being champion. One guy's done it, and he's been champion since August twenty twenty. So Roman mm-hmm. Reigns has only had eleven matches this year. That's yeah. like that's it, and we're in. So it's like one a month, like the bare minimum of title defenses, and you're like, oh, you bitch. Because <laughs> uh, like they, they totally had to say tape some NXT stuff because I think they initially started taping stuff in advance then they went to live then they went back to tape because initially they went to live because they thought well we need to we signed a contract to produce live entertainment then networks came back and said like yeah we understand if you can't do this live you know it's a fucking pandemic and everything but they taped a bunch of stuff for NXT including EO winning a title shot so they could have done something on NXT at least to have we drop it to someone from NXT to because then you can say you'll beat the woman who beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. It would have been a lot of big prestige on her. But so yeah, I, I, I maintain that the decision could have been the right one in that, yeah, it's weird at the time to see her lose to Rhea, but the story seemed like it was going to be like Rhea was inexperienced. Charlotte took advantage of it, kept working the leg relentlessly, made her eventually tap out to the figure eight. And her going to XD could have helped boost the ratings when a brand that was struggling, not just because of it going up against AEW, but also the fact that wrestling was struggling because of the pandemic but when Charlotte goes to NXT she's going across Raw and Smackdown and she just keeps beating everybody she beats Lev Morgan uh, Ruby Riot bloody Casey Catanzaro on, N- on episodes of Raw then goes to NXT fights uh, EO in her title shot EO wins by disqualification she then next week beats Mia Yim just in a non-title match and a tag team match she, her and Chelsea Green of all people defeat Rhea and Io in a tag team match where she loses in the main event of XT in your house in a triple threat. But crucially, she puts Rhea in a figure eight. Io does the moonsault to break it up and pins Rhea. So Charlotte doesn't even take a clean loss her entire NXT Women's Championship run. And then a couple months later, she has to go away. I don't know if she got injured or there's something that happened. She had to go away and she then came back in December. So she had to go away anyway. So it made her entire run useless and it did affect Rhea Ripley in a lot of ways personally and on screen. And I have a quote, some quotes here if you'll indulge me. It's taken from an article in November 2020 from a re- from appearance Rhea made on Lillian Garcia's podcast, because apparently everyone could have a podcast, <laughs> when she talks about how the loss affected her, uh, the loss of WrestleMania 36 affected her, said, I did feel like the wind had been taken out. I felt like I went through a stage where I lost confidence in myself because I wasn't being portrayed the same way. Even now, I'm still slowly building myself back up. My confidence was all tainted, which sucks because I keep trying to keep it up and do the best all the time. 
I don't know if it was something in my head where I wasn't getting the picture. I just got a little bit lost after that. Pulling myself back over to my heart has been difficult, but I found myself getting going back on track. I watched matches back from NXT UK from the Shayna build-up, and I got to remember who I am because I forgot for a little bit, and I hate forgetting who I am because it makes me feel like the first me on Classic when I lost myself. I like being me and portraying myself in a certain way, so I've gone back and watched old stuff being like, this is how I used to act, this is what I need to do, that's what's been helping me. So Rhea Ripley goes to the whole thing of like, well, I lost my belt and they didn't seem to have any, any intention of putting the belt back on her. So she kind of got lost in the shovel. She did keep, take part in war games later on that year. Uh, but then she goes into a feud with Raquel Gonzalez, not Rodriguez. You know, this was a woman who was a badass. Now, look, I smile. Look how muscular my back is. But uh, <laughs> she well, has foundation a... foundation for a gimmick. <laughs> With her QVC fucking Titan Tron, which is a static image of her smiling. <laughs> but so they have, a, I believe it was like a, I don't know if it was a false game or our last women's standing match, but they have a match on New Year's Evil, January 6, 2021. It's Rhea's last match in NXT, and she loses via a powerbomb through the stage, a really brutal way that right side out of NXT and puts over Raquel on her road to having her own NXT women's title run. And that was it. So basically, we all knew, okay, she's. So Main roster bound, what's she going to do? She shows up in the Rumble, but then she doesn't show up again for a little while. And this is where we should talk about the cursed Raw women's title scene at this point, because Asuka was the champion uh, and having a decent run of it, despite her lack of real competition. She was then allegedly meant to drop it to Lacey Evans amongst the whole Ric Flair angle and supposedly maybe drop it to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Then, then Lacey gets real life Pregnant, as supposed to fake pregnant, I know, but anyway, you know, <laughs> Lacey gets pregnant, has to be written off TV. So then one week, Charlotte challenges Asuka to WrestleMania for the title. The next week, Charlotte's gone because of a whole thing that involving WWE's doctor with misdiagnosing a pregnancy that wasn't real, you know. So she had to be written off, and then there was this talk about her and Andrade being frustrated with WWE and talk of them potentially leaving because Andrade did eventually leave her in about that time. But so then, randomly, Asuka's you know, wanting the competition for WrestleMania, and out comes Rhea Ripley to challenge her for a match at WrestleMania. But crucially, they just went, okay, we need a challenger for Asuka. They bring Rhea up, and they bring her up as a heel, because, well, Lena Russell don't know her. Look her, she's intimidating. Let's make her a heel. And Daniel, even more randomly, Rhea goes on to WrestleMania and wins. She just gets called up and, like, here, here's the Raw Women's title. Sorry about last year, but here's the Raw Women's title. So here, you know that promo that you did in the stadium where you said you were looking forward to all those people like cheering you as you beat Charlotte? Yeah, we're going to give you that. Wait, hang on, did you say this year? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we've got it here for next year. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll give you some stuff to fill the time, but do you want that, maybe? Yeah, a bit, a bit confusing. Almost just like you ran this last year. And it felt, it gave me major rock Cena once upon a time, then it became twice in a lifetime crap. Like, it gave me that vibe of, right, you ran that one, now you're doing it again. You Like, they had other avenues there, but instead they just resorted to ye olde 50-50. <laughs> like, I mean, it was... I think basically they said to her, just like, look, I know um, Poncho Joe earlier stole your thunder, so we're going to give you this. <laughs> um, but, yeah. 
Ah, Poncho Joe. Ah, well, a lasting memory. But it was weird, Sarah, because like night two, everyone, I remember at the time, coming out to everyone's raging about this being night two, I went, why? I thought it was really good, like, oh, only heels won, and like, oh yeah. Well, it depends how you define a heel, because everybody liked Rhea Ripley, despite them portraying her as a heel, and when you look at her at that point, it's like, and the way she tried to, tried to like, cut heel promos on the fans, like, it feels like she's been put into, a, like, what would main roster define as a heel and not a heel role that fits Rhea Ripley? Um, <clears throat> like, the only person I can compare that to is The Miz. Like, even when he's a heel, you want to cheer him and you want to be, like, behind him and think everything's great. Um, and for me, like, Rhea Ripley could do no wrong. I loved her. Um, and, yeah, letting her, you know, have that, that sort of title moment that she never got to have. I mean, it's a decent consolation. I mean, you you get to be Asuka of all people who was like the undefeated poster child of NXT. That you know, obviously, like she only became defeated obviously against Charlotte. But that sort of still put what happened the year before with Via and Charlotte saying like Via can beat Charlotte, but she could beat Asuka. Charlotte can also beat Asuka, so it's. It was like trying to push Rhea to say like you you are definitely on that level you definitely deserve it, um, but when she's trying to cut like heel promos and everything and everyone's sharing you're just like, it's now getting to the point of the you know boo the people you hate cheer the people you love and just have a great time. I mean at that point folk were just happy to to start getting back to normality. And I think they would have probably taken anything. I mean, obviously, yeah, Poncho Joe was a great, great thing in the mm-hmm. night. I mean, we all love, I just love Joe in general, to be fair. <laughs> but Pon- Poncho Joe is like always going to have my heart. Um, so I think. <laughs> um, but I heard, like, obviously, trying to cut all these heel promos and everything. It, it is a bit of a shame. But at the same time, what they always say is. It doesn't matter as long as you get a reaction. If they're quiet, then you know you're doing shit wrong. Um, so it's, there wasn't crickets. Mm-hmm. So at least to put her on the right path. And I think we all knew that Triple H was moseying his way into more creative control for uh, for at least for, for Monday Night Raw. So you knew that he was going to have Rhea's back no matter what. And he was going to try and do whatever the hell he could to save that women's division. And I think it, even though it's a cursed woman's title, I mean, with all fairness, most titles in WWE are cursed as hell. Um, it, it set her on that right path. And I think it did make up for the year before. Because it's like, right, nope, that was shit. But don't forget that you were on the level of the, of the person that defeated you. Like, you just got unlucky with the last title defence with her. Um, and obviously, well, not with the last title defence, with the um, getting pinned in NXT um, it, 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 it did it set her on the right path which it's more than okay and she let people cheer for her getting people behind her and it's when you look at then and now Judgment Day is supposed to be heels but everybody loves Mammy like, <laughs> everybody just loves her no matter what she does and I think it's just her facial expressions actually because it's it's funny when people just make facial expressions at like random things that people say but you see she's on the right path now we'll get to her falling off the path again and 
I'll come to you first after I explain the next couple of months of her. I'll explain it the way, way Homer Simpson would. Yeah, good luck explaining this, Scott. I'll explain it the way Homer Simpson would. You know, she defeated she defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania Backlash. That's good. And she lost to Charlotte at Rest- Hell in a Cell. That's bad. But it was by DQ, so she keeps the title. That's good. She lost the title to Charlotte at Money in the Bank. That's bad. And Charlotte loses the title to a cashing in Nikki Cross. That is bad. Can I go now? That's Nikki Cross. Nikki A S H. I was saying in the chat to you earlier, I just this entire run had been wiped from my memory when I went back and looked at her her 2021. It makes no sense when you you think from her January through to her end of year, like, and this bit in particular. I, I was trying I was trying to make sense of it. And this is obviously the period where I think creative control moves around a lot in 2021. You get you get Hunter's heart issue at one point, you get things moving around a lot. And I think we, we, we can't kind of separate Rhea's sort of rise, you know, with, with her being a triple H, you know, um star. And I, I think you could really see it in 2021. She's like She's she's on the heat. She's taken off. She's on. She's taken off. Like at various points throughout that year, and it it, it when you when you when you read it out like that, Scott, it makes no sense or, or like like at all. It's it's a mind blowing sort of booking um, in, in such a short period of time. Like I know there's a lot of things that people love Charlotte Flair and have done on and off since like say 2018 time, like when she got put in that match that everyone wanted Becky to win at SummerSlam. But, like, for me, the one, the first time I probably started to really go off Charlotte and start disliking her, you know, no matter what she did, was, like, this PAT or because it just seemed like there was something about Rhea that WWE just, like, we will not, in any circumstance, let you get any morsel of us clean win over Charlotte Flair. Like, Charlotte Flair is forever your kryptonite. And if it wasn't for WrestleMania 30, which we'll, uh, we'll get, I mean, I would have a worse view on this, but, like, you just feel like she loses by DQ, then loses, and then has that weird match the night after Raw, after uh, the Raw after Money in the Bank, where they had Nikki Cross cash in, purely probably for a big pot because it's first Raw with a full crowd. And so then they get they put to yet another three-way feud with, with Nikki ASH. And I don't care if it was Nikki's idea and not something that was thrust upon her. I don't care if you found it amusing. It was shit. It, it doesn't... It's It's shit. Because first thing, the thing that sums up this entire gimmick is her name is almost a superhero, Nikki A.S.H. But A.S.H. also stands for almost a superhero. So it's her full name is almost a superhero, Nikki almost a superhero. It's like that time where GFW, like Global Force Wrestling, took the Twitter handle GFW Wrestling, even though W and GFW stands for wrestling. So their title, their Twitter handle was Global Force Wrestling Wrestling. Like, it made no sense. And then... Nikki got booked like shit as a champion on the road to SummerSlam. And then she got beaten by Charlotte cleanly in that triple threat. And then, bafflingly, they said, you know what we need? Nikki and Rhea, you're going to be the women's tag team champions. What? And what universe did this pretend superhero and this goth woman? And anyway, what do they have in common other than they can't, they're not allowed to beat Charlotte Flair? Daniel, can you explain any of this to me? Um, you cannot polish a turd. 
No, but you can probably roll it in glitter and a superhero costume. I mean, put it this way, like, Nick, like, ah, to... You don't even know how to explain it. At least when they did, like, other superhero gimmicks, they had a reason for doing it. Like, look at Rosie. Superhero in training. Shit. You know, like, at least then, you know, you had something kind of funny with him. And then Nick, the problem with Nicky's was, like, this is, like, to briefly analyse that character very quickly, what made something like the hurricane work was other people helped to make it believable. Something as simple as him pretending to fly off and the rock looking up. You know, something like that makes you believe it. Nikki goes and does that and they're just still looking like she's just walked away. Like, it does not help that believability for it. So then to put her in the mix with a talent the calibre of Charlotte and someone who's almost on that level at that time, like Rhea, it just made no sense. And then someone must have thought, let's put her together with Rhea, try and get the rub like there. But it just didn't work. No. And then, and then Charlotte, it's not like Charlotte put someone over outside of those two for that tale. Because what did you do with that Raw Women's tale? Well, she had a feud with Spooky Alexa Bliss going into Extreme Rules, which nobody wanted. And then, ah, oh, Charlotte, you've been drafted to SmackDown. Don't worry, Becky's been drafted to Raw. So you guys, all you have to do is calmly hand over the belts and Charlotte just throws it fucking down. Because it doesn't, because belts mean nothing to Charlotte Flair. She'll always get another one. I didn't mean this to be a systematic takedown of Charlotte Flair across this show, but that's what it's turned into because she is just a major roadblock for much of Rhea Ripley's early career. She was literally the thorn in her side. Like, yeah, fuck you, I Charlotte. Think I'd... <laughs> thorn in her side, pain in the arse, whatever you want to use. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very unfortunate that. You know, Charlotte is the golden child of like WWE. Like, like they love her backstage because she's there at a moment's notice when they they need her for something. Or, you know, they're like, "Oh, I could do this." Think of all the numbers, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I've probably racked up enough famous <laughs> with you." So, you know what? We'll be fine with it. It's okay, honey. It's okay. And you're just like, Rhea's just going to kill somebody. You're like, <laughs> Charlotte's in trouble. <laughs> See, like I said, like, so Rhea and uh, Nikki Sage, shortly after Summers, like I said, become women's tag team champions. They lose them around December time in a reign that really didn't uh, do anything. I will give, you will have my undying respect for the rest of our days. If Ian, any of you, without Googling, can tell me, A, who did they win the tag team titles from? And B, who did they lose them to? If you can tell me at least one of those teams without Googling. I could tell you both of them. I could tell you both of them. I watched the I match think. earlier when they won it. So I know that answer. I can't, I don't know who lost, who they lost it to. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to script. I'm just going to cut these questions out of the, uh, the Nicky Cross quiz showdown I'm writing. <laughs> like, so, cause like, even, you know, because like, but Matt, even then you said, look at it like, if you weren't doing this show, you probably wouldn't, you'd go the rest of your life probably not even knowing this bit of information. So not fact, a chance that I'd even remember. So you specifically had to team. research it for this show, which goes to show how useless <laughs> of a fact it is. Yeah. I mean, who could ever, ever dismiss the powerhouse team 
of Natalia and Tamina. WWE Universe yeah. mode, come to life. <laughs> yeah, so they, they won them from Natalia and Tamina, you were right, uh, said on September 20th, 2021. And they lost them on November 22nd, 2021. And who did they drop them to, Sarah? Queen Selena and Carmella. What a yeah. team. Again, Universe mode, come to life. <laughs> no, that's just fantasy booking gone wrong. This could yeah. almost qualify for an episode of Book It. And by that, <laughs> I mean Book It when I was running it. Yeah, Baku backstage in a Charmander costume. Captain Raymond Holt doing a dress for the 9-9. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, I want to go back and watch that. I want to go back and watch that now. I mean, again, she was the one how little they had for both the tag team titles and bloody... And bloody Rhea Riley, but like Carmel and Queen Zelina won the titles in November, hold them all the way to WrestleMania. They have the fifth most days all time with just one reign. We for that belt with 132 days. The most useful, the most uneventful 132 days of all time. Rhea and, uh, and Nikki held them for 63 days. In that time, I should mention, Rhea was on the Raw team because they're both on Raw. Rhea was on the Raw team for Survivor Series because the women's tag chance can go between brands. Nikki was on neither team, so despite being one half of the Women's Tag Team Champions, or at least that year's Money in the Bank winner, and the Raw Women's Champion, previously, she didn't qualify to be able to go across both brands. She did not qualify as among the top 10 women on each, across the title division. Uh, she was not seen as fitting enough to be in a random five-on-five women's match. Somebody's got to be the Marty Jannetty. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. That was also the time they were just literally throwing two women together and going, stick! Stick! God damn it, stick! And they wouldn't learn their lesson. They wouldn't learn their lesson with Rhea because they did it again with Liv Morgan and a team that actually made some sense. (laughs) It could have actually went somewhere. Yeah, they tried. I mean, we all remember that that, that the outfits they wore at WrestleMania 38 was clearly Rhea practicing for a Dominic Mysterio relationship. Just like walked past him in the hallway and just went, what do you think? <laughs> You're my mommy now. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah. So unsuccessfully, Liv and Rhea are in a fatal four-way at WrestleMania, which also includes uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi. Whatever happened to those two? And uh, Natalia, and I believe Tamina. Natalia's always there somewhere. I just need to try and remember the partner. But... <laughs> Then after one too many failed attempts at capturing the titles from the, the Boston Globe Connection, or whatever the fuck they were called, uh, Rhea decides to betray Liv Morgan, leave our lane, and then Matt, the best thing that could have happened to Rhea Ripley to the moment where things pick up, and the thing that we'll probably talk about more than anything else here, Rhea Ripley joins a group that hadn't didn't really have a name yet, but would go on to be known as the Judgment Day, where she would aid Edge in his victory over AJ Styles at WrestleMania Backlash. Yeah, for me, it's the turn on live. That moment onwards is where it 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 it, it, it gets good. Um, yeah, a, a lot to thank Mr. Copeland for, even though the early days of Judgment Day didn't make a lot of sense if you kind of look back, because obviously, again, there was another plan before they flipped it. But yeah, to think that that kind of vehicle for for Edge's hill turn would then, what are we talking now, eighteen months later, be arguably the best faction in wrestling um others on that list but yeah 
from from quite an auspicious start to, to, to where it's got to. I, I don't think she's looked back since that turn on live and then and then joining what what's the original version priest edge and her before yeah. you know others mm-hmm. do like from that moment onwards it's just that final piece isn't it the character clicks the look clicks uh, you know and and and, and I, I think we're about to talk for you know a, a great 18 month run um and and then that starting point again there was something about that group where she was in her career we talked a lot about the barriers that potentially you know charlotte had put in the way and you know the the, the pieces being there i think from that moment onwards sort of spring early summer 2022 is is where the rhea ripley we now see is is truly formed and all the pieces come together mm-hmm. I, one thing i would change about this reveal though because like the whole thing was priest had helped edge win at wrestlemania over aj and this was the rematch and edge and aj won a match against priest on raw which means priest is banned from ringside so what did priest do he stands at the top of the ramp <laughs> trying to cause a distraction but then somebody in a hood and a mask comes in a very thin person a very feminine looking person despite how big we replace and michael cole tries to hold the who is he who is this person as the whole who is he thing is it made you think oh it turns out it was a woman well i swear like you can definitely tell there's no man that looks like that and wwe and Rhea had been off tv since she betrayed uh, live and so there uh, we'd see again another kind of alter change of uh because she kind of cut her hair a little bit and she's like if anyone was fitting for this gothic group that edge was building it was going to be Rhea ripley the rumors about her joining had been going around for weeks and then it was so such a good distinguished look. Edge tried to copy her hairstyle a few weeks later. <laughs> Some mixed results, admittedly. I mean, yeah, rear to the bear. <laughs> it was yeah, it was very very confusing. The judgment day at the beginning, like you're just sitting there going, "What is this? <laughs> is this just?" It, it it honestly it did feel like some sort of like witchy gathering um and then when you look at what apparently was supposed to happen of being at like a supernatural thing like yeah i i, I was just like oh he's very rude edge and i was just like where's gangrel where's christian you know where's the where's sunglasses indoors and but this was like a completely different vibe and i'm like i i i, I don't know what's going on here yeah. uh, like priest and ripley looked great together. Unfortunately, Edge just looks like the old grandpa that was trying to be cool. <laughs> right? That's it. unfortunately like he looked a lot older than what mm-hmm. he, he sometimes looks really old, sometimes he looks really young. Don't know how the fuck he does it. But at this point he looked really especially really, really old compared to those two. I mean obviously Priest is what in his mid to late thirties now. And we is obviously in her early twenties at this point. The yeah, those like and Priest looks a lot younger than what he actually is. It's quite surprising. Um, that they two looked brilliant, and then you had Edge, and you're like, "Huh, no, I, I, I don't get it." One of these and things then... is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because like, cause, like Damien Priest, like you mentioned about the age, Damien Priest is forty-one, and Edge, I believe, has only just recently turned fifty. So like there's nine years between Edge and Priest, and yet you were looking to look at them at the time, you wouldn't guess it. Mhm, it's exactly that. So it was it was a bit of a strange thing because it just sort of Priest coming comes and helps 
because obviously he had that whole ship within Balor at that time. Made sense. It was great. And then when Rhea joined, you're like, right, okay, bringing in a woman, going to build a faction. But it didn't really seem like anything. It just felt like three people being creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get what they were going for, because it is, like we say, he came back, he had the goodwill of being a face coming back for the first two years, given the injury and everything he'd gone through. But you think, I guess he thought, well, I'll do my best work originally as a heel, so I'll be a heel and I'll try and get some young guys over. So try to help build up Priest, try to build up. Yeah, but then like there's all the talk of his mountain of omnipotence, his weird throne he used to sit on. But that WWE decided to give Rhea Ripley the nickname The Eradicator without any which made them seem like Saturday morning cartoon villains. And the, the main notable win at that trio was at Hell in a Cell when they defeated the team with AJ Styles, Finn Balor and Liv Morgan, where Rhea Ripley displayed her new outfit. I look, she's kind of kept in a way since then. She used to wrestle in long tights, but had to change her outfit because she had a borrow gear, I think, from Liv Morgan because she forgot her gear or gear had gotten lost on the way to the arena. So she had to change her look, but... The trio gets a win at that show, and then the very next night, Daniel, the tease, there'll be a new member of the Judgment Day. And it turns out to be one of the people they beat the night before in Finn Balor, which was confusing. I think, oh, it's going to be some swerve. It's like, oh, I'm going to join you. Psych, I'm not, or I'm going to try and destroy you from within, like John Cena in the Nexus. And according to Edge himself, this was maybe something that took place over a longer period of time, over months of Finn Balor slowly, which should edge Edge out of the group before taking over as leader. But they decided the group isn't really working in this current format. Edge was noticing people cheering for him, even though he was maybe a heel. So they decided to oust him from the group. So Finn is like, oh, I mean, me, Damien, and we, we decided we've all got a lot in common. And I do love the Damien moment where it goes, and we decided we just need to get rid of the one last thing that's holding us back, which is you, Edge. And the extended beat there in this new young version of the Disney Still with the Alter Bridge song, which is the only thing, the only reason they had Alter Bridge is because they're pals with Edge. I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, Finn joining them was literally the case of, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like that with him. Um, like, it felt like nothing against Edge. Like, he obviously had a vision for it, but then people obviously wanted it to go one way. He had an idea for another thing. So, probably the right thing for him getting out of it. But, where it went afterwards for Bria, for Finn, for Damien, the sky was the limit for them. And it just, it feels right now at that point, seeing that image of that three being together and not any combination of them with Edge. All of a sudden it fit seeing Finn, Damien and Bria as Judgment Day. And then even keeping the music, you know, I'm not opposed to any alter bridge at any point on TV, so I'll happily take it. And just seeing them coming out to that song every week, you're not going to get a complaint out of me for this. Yeah, the only change to me is they had like an age thing at the start of it when he was a part of it, like though you think you know me, you never did, and then they took that out and just kept the theme of it. And then they all got like darker versions of the original themes, like at least Priest and Finned, but. Rhea's name t- keeps the name, but it's a whole remix song done by like it was Moshes and White, the lead singer of that band came in to record new new lyrics for her. And but they keep the judgment day, like all the bridge team for when they all come out together. And Matt, you've talked about roadblocks. There was almost another roadblock for Rhea and the Judgment Day as a whole because 
Rhea then gets injured, despite later on that night after they betray Edge, winning a woman's a four-way to get a shot at Bianca Belair. Then gets injured, so she goes disappears and comes back, but doesn't wrestle for a while, just is in ringside for Priest and Finn matches. So they don't know what to do with Finn and Priest at birth. They, they actually wrestle on main event for a couple of weeks, which is usually a death sentence. Uh, then they get into a few of the Mysterios, because they want Dominic to join the group for some reason. And then because they want him to throw his dad aside like they threw Edge aside. And then they keep losing to Dom and Ray for ages. And then, then it all turns when Dominic is passed aside for Edge for a match at Clash at the Castle. And a match, I still think the Judgment Day should have won, by the way, if, despite especially considering what was going to happen next. But in the Arena Wales where there were a chance of hit your dad, hit your dad. Matt, who would have thought the key to getting this goth group off the ground as Dominic Mysterio. One of my favourite, literally one of my favourite turns of all time. It's it's just yes. so, so as I mean, so you, you go, oh, it's so predictable. You literally saw it from 400 miles away. But who, like sometimes the, the best things are, are, are the predictable ones. It's done brilliantly from beginning to end. Um, Edge is just a, such a, such a better face in that part of his career. You know, we talk about him being replaced by Finn. Finn is just inherently a cooler human being than Adam, than Adam Copeland. Like, you know, it is, you know, a wonderful performer, but he's not a cool guy. You know, he's quite, um, you know, he's, he's got quite a hokey likeness to him. I think the Finn replacement and then the stuff with the Mysterios, Dom's turn and Dom really is that final, final piece. Um, from that moment onwards, you know, uh, Rhea kind of acting as that kind of final piece of brainwashing to to bring him across. And the maturation of Don Mysterio is one of, you know, one of the great career progressions in, in such a short period of time to think where he's gone to. Has one of the most epic WrestleMania entrances of all time. And just Mysterio in the Judgment Day alongside Rhea, it just, what well, it shouldn't. There's, you know, you write that idea down on paper, you know, in the summer of 2022, you'd be like, what? It shouldn't work as well as it does. It makes the, the whole package just comes together out of out of that hill turn. Um, we'll come to talk about it. But their, their tyranny of the Mysterio family over successive holidays in the latter part of 2022, again, some of my favourite social media content of, of, of recent times. Um, I think we've had a couple of anniversaries of the Halloween and the Thanksgiving moments. Um, Dom turning to, to to Rhea and saying that he won't make it in, in prison. It just some of some of the the best bits of 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 of, of WWE content in recent times. Like from that from the moment he turns at Clash at the Castle all the way through that that latter part of 2022. It's just great stuff from beginning to end. Like the build to this, him joining, like the stuff of this, the lead up to SummerSlam, like you see, he's just really getting to do a little bit of comedy, which you wouldn't think they should be doing as a group. But it's, it's like Rabies was having this birthday celebration or some sort of celebration. We returns, drags Dominic out, which leads Ray out to the corner where Finn can beat him up and goes, Hey, it's my birthday as well. Why is nobody mentioning it? And then steals the birthday cake later on. They do an exclusive segment on the YouTube and he comes up with a cake singing happy birthday to himself. There's a segment on Raw where Ray's distracted because Rhea just drags Dom out to the stage, having beaten him up. There's that 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 gif, that image of him her choking Dom with her legs during a match. 
when she's getting involved. But like, it seemed like they were just using Mia to get to Dominic, and then the eventual turn at Clash of the Castle. Dom kicks Edge so hard his shoe comes off. <laughs> and then that moment where you cut to Judgment Day, and Finn particularly, is dying the on laugh. the floor laughing, despite the fact, That's again, the you've just ever. lost. <laughs> you've just lost. But yet, yet, like Alan Partridge, Daniel, needless to say, they had the last laugh. I mean, oh. if you're going to commit to a kick in the balls, you commit. And commit <laughs> Dom did. Oh. Everything about that turn was just brilliant how they, they paced it out so well. I screamed in the flat so much that, like, my partner, Daniel, looked at me like I was crazy. Even though I was like, I've been wanting this for weeks. I've been wanting this. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. How did did they do it? And then obviously it develops into what appeared to be a very creepy relationship. But see, when you actually look at it, they're not. The age difference is actually not that much. It's yeah, just because we has like we has been around the WWE a lot longer. We don't know how long Dom had actually been wrestling, and he was brought in obviously to tag with his dad, which was probably the best thing for him to start on that ground to get him off the ground running. Um, and then obviously we'll talk about it as we we go through. It's like this generation's Eddie and China. Like <laughs> you can see that they've transcended that perfectly into this generation and it, it you, you just see like the resemblances like any wrestling fan who loved Eddie back in the day and loved China you can you you know that's exactly what they wanted to do and you can definitely tell that it worked for Dom as well to sort of channel his uncle Eddie in a way like someone that he looked up to throughout his entire life um but yeah, it appeared very, very creepy, you know, like we are like whispering in his ears, like, is she a witch? I'm still <laughs> thinking there's a whole witchy shit going on, you know, black magic, the allure of a we woman. remember the hex I mean, girls. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. But I mean, well, there was three of them at the time. I would say it was charmed, you know, the power of three, but <laughs> um, you never know the allure, especially of Rhea Ripley. <laughs> the Dom just came running. He's just like, you know, he might have been into getting pounded by a woman. Yeah, it, we don't, we don't kink, we don't kink shame. We don't shame anyone on this what they want to do. This is twenty twenty three. We are in non judgmental exactly. days. We do not yes, like. It's we a do not safe kink space. shame. <laughs> we don't, we don't kink shame, right? I mean, if Dom found out that he liked it, he likes it. If you you like what you like, and like, prison you and know. prison changes a man. He called when he said to me, "I'm not gonna make it." He probably got some bad things happen to him. I mean, we all know what the tear tattoo symbolizes, so you know. My favorite interaction of of Dom and Rhea is just the Valentine skit. That is my (laughs) favorite thing ever. The police officers walk in. He's like, "I'm not going back." (laughs) <laughs> like the funny thing, like, like I said, we've mentioned before, we're recording this not long after Survivor Series 2023, where Dom was the last guy out of the cage for his Judgment Day team. And Michael Cole jokes, that's really the longest Dominic's actually spent behind bars. And <laughs> <laughs> see, again, Michael Cole, his development since working with Pat McAfee has 
been the highlight because he's having more fun and playing into these storylines and then maybe like the reins have been let loose a little bit instead of Vince going, you need to do this. Oh my God, you need to do this. And maybe, maybe he's a little bit jealous of Excalibur and managing to run down the entire card in 30 seconds. You never know. But he's putting more emotion into shit and actually playing into what's going on and having a laugh with them and telling that story to the audience that are not in the arena. Because, see, when you watch a wrestling show live and then you go back and watch it with commentary, it is a whole other thing mm-hmm. when you can hear someone else like adding little facts here and there and just like, and you're like, oh, I never thought about that. Or you get a lot of comedic laugh going, that was actually quite funny. Yeah, no, that works. You think with Michael Cole, he hated Dominic during this day. Like, uh, when, when Ray finally hit Dom in the lead up to the WrestleMania match, nobody was happier than Michael Cole to see Dom get his ass handed to him, but he's dead. I do love Dom's face at the time, just looking like, he actually hit me. I will. 90s kids, buddy, no, I could could slap across the arse or something. It put us, you know, I was fear of my dad because I knew I'd done shit wrong if he came for me. Like, if it was my mum, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, I'd be a little bitch. But if it was my dad, they know shit, you, you know you're fucked up. You know you're fucked up if your dad Dolan came for Ray you. was basically just like, Rayla hits him and he just goes, damn you, father! <laughs> the best thing about the angle, though, is how good every member of the Mysterio family is. Like, there's no yeah. reason Angie and Aaliyah should be as good on camera as they are as well. Like, make the whole thing so good. I do hope they revisit it. I, f- I feel like they have to at some point. What's amazing about the Dom-Rhea relationship is that, you know, it's played off like... You don't. They don't really put terms on it, but what they are, are they dating or are they something? Because also we know Rhea in real life is dating Buddy Matthews, who's in AEW, who's had, who's had, who had joke about Dominic cooking him during an acclaimed rap ages ago. But also, what's funny during that WrestleMania match, during that Mania match when, when during that Mania match when Dom goes up to his mum and his sister, there's a woman next to Aaliyah who they just don't say anything about because it was Dom's real life fiance there. But they can't acknowledge that because in KFAB's with Rhea Ripley. It'd basically be the equivalent of like... Hiding that like, water. The equivalent of like when Rusev was in summary, like, oh, by the way, Rusev got engaged to Lana. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, oh, TMZ, fucking hell. But it was weird because like the whole thing that Raw afterwards, this is right when Triple H's reign as head of career was really taken off and Judgment Day benefited more than most. Because then there was that segment where Dot where Re- Ray came out, was angry with what happened to Dom, but he didn't want to blame his son. And then Ray came out with a gothy, waiter-looking Dominic Mysterio saying, like, he may be your boy, but I turned him into a man. And Ray, refusing to fight his son, moved to a whole different brand. He's there kicking WWE <laughs> in order to not fight his son. <laughs> and it was the other thing. Just looking I mean, up at him, like, I can't do this. I mean, you say he's Uncle Eddie. I mean, in kayfabe, they never said he's not Eddie's son. Because the feud in 2005 was Ray got Ray, Ray and Angie couldn't get pregnant. Eddie knocked somebody up. She couldn't keep the baby, and they adopted him as Dominic. But they never after the after Ray won the custody, they never said, "Oh, Eddie was lying." They just said Ray has official <laughs> custody now. And then years later, like, "Ah, oh, here's my son Dominic. You remember Dominic?" Like basically, they quietly forgot about it the same way they forgot about Edge and Christian being brothers. So 
Yeah. He even had Seth Rollins during his feed, like, are you sure Eddie's not your dad? Because, like, you look at him now, growing out his greasy mullet, oh. <laughs> like 2000 Eddie Guerrero, and, like, you see the Eddie-China relationship. I've watched some 2000 SmackDown, and Eddie Guerrero refers to China every so often as Mammy during the segment. Yeah. So, clearly... Mammy, Mamacita, you know. Clearly, Dom's getting getting his material from somewhere, and he clearly is his real dad. Even Dom himself said, I wish Eddie was my real dad. During their East feed with Ray. Like what this tells me is Rhea definitely went to like the registry office to find out who exactly Dom's dad was. And when she saw that Dom's dad is in fact the late great Eddie Guerrero, she was like, Oh yes, we are on to a winner here. I want I me some Latino heat. With this. Yeah, I want me some <laughs> Latino heat, so I'm gonna get myself Eddie Guerrero's boy. That is exactly even, what happened here. She even calls him her Latino heat during segments as well. <laughs> Like, she doesn't actually even wrestle for most of the rest of the year because like for a while I think she's still growing she's there with Dominic she's in the corner she's basically interfering during the Judgment Day's feud with the, OC, the returning OC which subsequently leads to the return of Mia Yim and a feud that really didn't go anywhere when you think about it in the grand scheme of things but I do love Ray right before uh, right from Mia Yim returns yeah the AJ saying like before we've struggled to find someone to deal with our Rhea problem and you quietly hear Rhea just get caught in the mic going because nobody likes you <laughs> I I love it when you hear wrestlers just do little things, especially like see when you're like watching something live and they're like, oh shit, or oh that hurt. S- small things just make you laugh. So when you hear stuff like that, like just saying like no one likes you, you're just like, oh burn. Well, there was the one during like the tag team turmoil that the Judgment Day one. You have Cedric Alexander had, I think it was Dom or someone in a headlock. And then Cedric goes, hi, mommy, looking over at, at Rhea. And he goes, <laughs> she goes, hi, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Rhea, she does compete in war games that year, mainly because Mia Yim's joined the face side. She went, oh, damage control, I'll join you. Because I just want to beat up Mia Yim. But you know, she always didn't win because it's bad luck to team with damage control. You're always going to lose. But uh, Matt, she does go on. She's the first woman to go in number one at the Royal Rumble. And win the whole thing. We had, you know, Bianca Belair do it from there three, but Rhea came despite being beaten up for for no reason by by Beth Phoenix. I don't know what Rhea ever did to Beth Phoenix. I mean, she by Beth Phoenix earlier in the night. Uh, she still manages to fight through and def- win the Royal Rumble. I think she's even set a record for the women's Royal Rumble. And you know, I'm glad she did because I remember when she first came in the morning, like, oh, she's not going to win because she's injured. I wanted Rhea to win the Rumble, and then she did win it. I feel like a long time coming for Rhea Ripley. I mean, Rhea won the match, I think, from number one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, yeah, I think yeah. that's that's a record in itself right there. And like, even like, I think and she's the first one to go over an hour, because I think Bianca's was only like 58 minutes in the, for number three, and mm. Rhea just passed the error mark, so both her and Gunther are mm. both setting records and rumbles that year. One hour, one minute, seconds, I think, as I recall. Like someone else. Yeah, and Matt, it was a really tense end scene because, like, I think she's on the. She, like, it's her, Asuka, and Liv Morgan. Either of them could have won. Liv's been missed, but somehow, I think, I don't know if Rhea's the one that gets missed, but somehow, even despite that, she manages to use the power of her legs to eliminate Liv Morgan and win the Royal Rumble. Even though, again, yeah. like we said, they're heels. Everyone, there was a rupturous, like, cheer despite, again, she's a heel. 
it's one of the more creative finishes to a rumble in you know mm-hmm. in a long time I, I really yeah and going back and watching it earlier those those closing moments are really tense and, and it is kind of um is a, a, a really well-earned win and and mm-hmm. does it, it is a struggle keeping a hill throughout that you know an hour-long effort and then a great creative you know finish um mm-hmm. yeah she was the star of of of, of that match from literally lit- literally beginning to end and it really takes her up i think the 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 biggest win of her career today bigger than the title win against Asuka, in my opinion um it really solidifies her as arguably the number one um women's wrestler in the company yeah and it was weird at this point because the two women's champions were bianca on raw charlotte on smackdown Rhea was also on raw at the time but i thought okay Asuka came back at that rumble as can i like okay this is what i thought the bringing bringing match would be it'll be Asuka v charlotte so Charlotte can get revenge against Charlotte for all those years ago at WrestleMania. And Rhea will fight Bianca because she was meant to get that title shot months ago before she got injured. And they've been she kept having interaction with Bianca like, oh, one day our pass will cross. We'll have that match for the title. Then I decided, oh, no, Rhea's going to challenge Charlotte and Asuka's going to fight Bianca. Like, uh, okay. And so I found this build to WrestleMania weird because not only did Rhea lose alongside Finn Balor to Edge and Edge and Beth Phoenix uh, at the Elimination Chamber, but also in a match where Dominic got chased back, and then even though the correct camera wasn't on, all you can hear is a girl going, boo, as Dominic came back down the <laughs> ramp. But her whole feud with, with Charlotte is not like, I'm not just, I'm angry for what happened, I'm a different person from all those years ago at Mania 36. Like, no, you took away my opportunity to be a star, and I need to beat you to be a star. Like, Europe doesn't care about being started, she cares about beating people up and dominating people like Dominic. I mean, with all fairness, yeah, Charlotte took away her chance to be a star, but you know what she did in return? She fucked up Charlotte, became a triple crown champion, and became a Grand Slam champion. But not only that, she was the bloody youngest women's Grand Slam champion. She went, you actually proper stuck it to Charlotte. And I think that was a perfect moment it was like all that pent-up aggression and anger over the past two two odd years and she went and basically went you know what fuck you i'm gonna do this 26 year old triple crown and the youngest ever uh, grand slam champion you're like oh damn oh damn she did the damn thing and again going back to charlotte being marmite most people want to see charlotte lose right most people want to see Rhea win. It was a happy, happy day. Even despite, you know, the urgent Beth Phoenix thing, you know, we're just, I just pretend that doesn't, didn't happen. You know, Beth Phoenix died when she had that concerto, um, you know, so. I mean, yeah, it was, it was I mean, fabby. I mean, it was a hell of a match, Daniel. I mean, like, because I thought it was a bit slow at start, but then again, it maybe would be the fact it was early hours of the morning UK time when I was, but it just picks up and picks up. You have most notably that middle rope riptide from Rhea Ripple, which could have really went wrong. I like a real talking, really, real something that really shows how great this match was is Dave Meltzer, who famously, especially with American women's wrestling, can be quite critical. Called up maybe one of the best women's matches he's ever seen. That's that's high praise. I mean, high praise coming from Dave Meltzer is something that. 
uh, some people will be like, wow, it's amazing. And then others will be like, huh? Um, but it's at this point, 2023, like even latter 2022 going into 2023, it's just been banger after banger for Rhea. Dominant performance after dominant performance. Anyone you put in the ring with, it's a brilliant showing for Rhea. Even the matches that you might go into and just go, well, we know how this is going, potential snooze fest. You still are like, yep, she looked good in the match. And to pull off like an avalanche reptide, yeah, that takes some skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll go where you, what, yes or no, because there was a big controversy, well, not controversy, but a big discussion point. I mean, Charlotte seemed to be annoyed about it. But there was all talk, like, because Rhea was the Royal Rumble winner, should this have gone on last? But then there were a lot of people saying, like, no, they made the right decision for the use of Sammy Quick KO, given the emotional stakes of that match to be on last. So everybody here, yes or no, should Rhea Charlotte have main event in night one? Matt, should it, yes or no? I can't say Sammy hadn't earned a main event. I think that's that, for me, is the piece. Um, you know, it it culminated, say the bloodline story still going, but it culminated that part of the bloodline story. It's a real hard call, but I, I think they, they made the right call with the tag going on last. Daniel? Yes or no, was it should have gone last? Well, I'll, I do have to say, like, yeah, the Sammy story did warn at least one of the main event spots. But my feeling is, like, one important match other than the main event is the opener. And I think they could have even done with having them open night two. I think they deserve to have a match that would not be, you know, sandwiched in between, you know, like a good match or you have like the Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns coming immediately afterwards. Like, give it its own proper time to shine. Let the audience cool down, bring them back up for the main later on. I think they should have been given the open. Uh, Sarah? Uh, oh, it is quite a hard one. Um, like Daniel said, like the opener is probably just as impactful when it comes to it. But the one thing that is the biggest argument in the world is the whole point of the Royal Rumble is supposed to give you the main event spot of WrestleMania. And that's obviously the men get it instantaneously. And it'll go back to, you know, inequality and all this sort of stuff. It should just be a predominant position on the card. And I think having that open, especially given what had happened and it's such a big moment, title change, like if you open the show with that, that's instantly going to set you up as the bar. And I know basically going on first just means you set the bar. Everyone else has to try and do better than you then. And it puts the pressure on them, not on yourself. When going in the position that they did, crowd's a bit tired, it's the second night of WrestleMania, and there's the whole hype for KO and Sammy against the Usos. It's a shame that shit like this gets lost in the shuffle, and that's kind of the whole purpose of splitting it into two nights, was to kind of give more people an opportunity, but also stop shit getting lost, and just going, oh yeah, I can't remember what happened in that in that match. Um, but you know what, I did remember, I remember this, and I remember this. Like, you remember the big moments, and unfortunately, I forgot that she was a Grand Slam champion because of this match, because, like, it's it can't, it does get overshadowed by Sammy finally getting his main event. So, I, ca- I can't say 
yes or no, I don't think it should have main evented, but it should have been in a more predominant and impactful position on the card. I, I get what you're saying, but like, like men do get automatically get in. I think it's again, I think in the year when we had two world titles, it wasn't always a guarantee for the men either. Like Edge and Sheamus, just right off the bat, both got their opening match spots after being the Royal Rumble. Like in Sheamus has famously only went 18 bloody seconds despite being the Royal Rumble winner. <laughs> and I think, I agree with you a bit being stop, the opener. We need to stop saying it then at the Royal Rumble. We need to stop saying, yeah. we'll get you a main event match because that's what they always say. And you're like, bad. Yeah, the WWE, WWE says, oh, there are, we can have triple, quadruple main events. Like, no, the main event is what goes on last. But, like, we all I, I know that. We all know it's not. <laughs> I agree with you saying that, like, give it the opener because I would have saved this from having to first match in the show for us to watch being that snooze fizzle with John Cena versus Austin Theory. But I think there's three reasons for me that I think this match shouldn't have main evented. One, you know, WWE was trying to make Charlotte a face and you know, the heel. So you would have ended the night with a heel that everybody cheers, beating a face that everybody boos. I don't think they wanted to end it. Uh, two, you've got, like, if you put this over Sammy KO, you have the, the possibility of this being the Jericho Triple H to their triple their Rock Hogan, basically a match that maybe knackers out the crowd because they're so invested in it and has a knock-on effect for Rhea and Charlotte. I think there was a third reason. I've forgotten it now, but those two, I think, are good enough on their own. And the fact that they've not went back to Charlotte Rhea since then, uh, the longer they're kept away from each other, I think is for the benefit of Rhea Ripley particularly. You know, keep Charlotte away from as far away from Rhea as possible. But then her reign after this is a bit weird because it starts off she's a SmackDown Women's Champion on Raw, like or does, and then gets drafted, kept, gets kept on Raw in the draft. While Bianca, the Raw Women's Champion, gets moved to SmackDown, but keeps appearing on both shows, and basically they can't swap the belts over or change the belts because they've got a they've got two men's belts to unveil because they're going to do female versions of those belts, and two they can't give us a new women's belt for Bianca because she has to drop it to Asuka because she's just about to pass the record because apparently the lineage would get all confused if they gave her a new belt before she broke the record. So as soon as she loses the belt to Asuka, Asuka gets a new version of the WWE Women's Belt, and Rhea is given the WWE Women's World Heavyweight Championship. A fucking beautiful belt, if you don't mind me saying. The base of the big gold with the white strap, white and gold, is always a winning combination with championship belts. It is one of the best looking belts in wrestling. Um, I, so I agree. With this, but it is beautiful. So I would. Uh, I would argue it looks better than the world belt that Seth's carrying around. I'd say that hers belt's better than, than Seth's. It looks more shiny. Yeah. It's more yeah. shiny and pretty and well looked after. The logo the logo placement just works better on the women's version. I can't quite explain it. It looks a little less copy-paste um, old big gold belt with the logo that Seth's does. It just looks more bespoke, more unique than the men's version. Mm. <laughs> I really love when they gave her the belt. Like she gets presented by Aaron Pierce, and then Dominic runs down. Everybody boos. He jumps into her arms, puts the belt around her, <laughs> around her waist, celebrating with Mammy getting the belt. The thing is, between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, Rhea had three televised title defenses of that belt, and the combined match length was just over 21 minutes long. Because <laughs> she defeats Selena Vega in her home country of Puerto Rico in seven minutes 11 seconds. She crushes, she crushes uh, 
Natalia in 69 seconds at Night of Champions. Nice. Uh, because of because of a distraction by Dominic Mysterio and a match where I remember when it happened, I I was pissing myself laughing at how quickly Natalia got scored. And Natalia then got another match, the Raw after Money in the Bank, where she lost in 12 minutes. So a combined 21 minutes of of in-ring time. They chose to put that Natalia match not on Money in the Bank, the Raw after Money in the Bank for some reason. And then they decided, oh, by the way, we're going to do an injury angle, so we're not going to put uh, Rhea Ripley on SummerSlam in a title defence. So we'll, we'll wait for a payback against Raquel Rodriguez. Do you guys feel... How do you guys feel about the decision kind of Rhea not being on pay-per-view as much with the title and both and her matches being shot? She had some squash matches on Raw where she's ran through the likes of Candice LeRae, Dana Brooke, Indy Hartwell. She's kind of, they've kind of basically been like, here's everyone else in the division down here and here's Rhea Ripley up here. I mean, it helps like keeping her constant on TV, but at the same time, you want to see her get a solid match on pay-per-view. Like, fair enough, I know... Like particularly now since Triple H has taken over full production, as a very more kind of how he did it with NXT, he's very he streamlined it. There's less matches; they're given more breathing room. But I think in some cases, just you know, chop two matches down, split them into in smaller chunks so that way you can fit in just a decent sized match. You don't need twenty minute epics for every match, like. Some matches can do with just like you know, you know, it like quantity is not what they're looking for. All they just want is a decent match. She's almost become too dominant in in this run as well. There's a degree of like <clears throat> none of the there's there's I mean I can't think of a sort of believable near fall. Um, it, it really in any of the matches since since Mania and it. I think I think it's 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 been fine for her to go on that kind of dominant run. Her character work has been so good. She's all over the show with the Judgment Day. She's deeply involved in you know storylines with Priest and and Finn. Um, her matches have almost become kind of secondary to the character, secondary to like the the dominance of the Judgment Day and the run. I do think kind of time is now ticking for her to have that you know really strong contender. Um, uh, whether that be a Becky, whether it be a Bianca, or whether it be a new arrival from a rival promotion, um, I, th- I think it is time for her to have that standout feud. She's almost been booked like a female Brock of late, like just a fast, dominant sort of wins that are, you know, spectacles, but not not necessarily that sort of five star classic that she had with Charlotte and Mania. Yeah, I mean. There's always money table for that for another epic, maybe to be a rematch with Charlotte, but then there's always the fear that Charlotte would would win. You've got I get a reason you want to maybe see her wrestle a longer match, but then again, one of our more boring matches, our longest match to that point was our match at Payback when she fought Raquel Rodriguez and a ceremony event in 17 and a half minutes. And I found it boring as hell because Raquel is pretty boring. And also the fact that they made the mistake of putting that match on after the tag team title match, but they had the big celebration confetti judgment day all holding belts. Like, still you wait till after Rhea's won because if Rhea lost, you would all look like idiots. <laughs> then, easily her worst match so far, that five way at Crown Jewel. What a convoluted mess that was. 
And you can't even put it all in Nia Jax, even though it's fun to. Uh, her match with Zoe Stark was okay. I mean, it was a good, decent outing for Zoe Stark so far. But again, it wasn't the epic you're really hoping for. And I, I agree with you, Matt. Maybe she's not had that epic match yet since the match with you know, Rhea, uh, with, uh, with Charlotte Mania. I really think it was a missed opportunity coming out of her portraying you know, Ronda and winning that MMA rules match. They really missed an opportunity to put the rocket back on Shayna. Not have her take the belt, but maybe try and recapture some of the magic of the NXT feud. Maybe they could do that maybe for the Rumble, whatever, but like you said, time is ticking and maybe she'll lose it, Mina, because she'll be coming in a year at that point. And the rumour has been for ages, Sarah, that the plan for WrestleMania 40 is Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley. <laughs> I mean, take my money. Because <laughs> we all know I I absolutely love Becky. Um, the whole ever since her turn against Charlotte at that SummerSlam in the three-way match with Carmella, I have been just all in on that woman. And I'm all in on Rhea Ripley. Like, I, I, I think Rhea Ripley can do no wrong. She can do no wrong. Right? So if that is what, what it's supposed to be, hell yeah. I will not complain because that's a different dominant female than Charlotte, right? But that's someone that Rhea deserves. Like everyone deserves to have like that that big feud that when they're already dominant, you're you know, like, who's gonna be the person to beat them? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? And we're all fans. We love speculating, even if you know, um some people go a little bit too over the top. Um, you know, like CM Punk going to appear at the Hydro or something like that, shit like that. Um the it's something you can latch on to and don't get me wrong AEW are doing uh, not AEW, WWE are doing great with their women's division right now but there's not a single person legitimately that could touch Rhea that's what I personally think right now, you've got EO on the other brand but again lots of people that could be chasing her and there's not a lot of people that could probably take on Rhea. Like, uh, you might you might grab Bianca with her two braids. I mean, that was fucking hilarious as well, having two braids. It was very, very strange. But to maybe put Becky in, I mean, if how they're going to make that work, especially now that we're coming, we finished the Viber Series, we're moving on to Royal Rumble season, and then it'll be WrestleMania before we freaking know it. Um, so when they start pulling that trigger be very very interesting it's just making sure that both the women are fit enough and that they're not going to have to try and change shit last minute because if it's adam pierce coming in and going yeah um see about that charlotte's going to come in for the match too and you'll be like not again not again not again i mean with all fairness i, th- I think if they were going to make it a three-way don't put like that's where you put the fall guy in. Don't put someone else that's gonna make the other two look like it was a waste of time. So let's just hope, if the rumours are true, that it's going to be, you know, the man killing Rhea Ripley. And I don't know what will happen because I'll probably cry either way. I, I, I'm I've still got a bit of fear given the fact that you know. We thought, oh, Rhea's a bit too dominant. What do we do? Who do we get to, to be a threat to Rhea Ripley? 
I know. Let's bring back Nia Jax. Because Nia Jax has been in that five-way. They've mixed up. She's done it with stuff with Raquel Rodriguez. They still haven't I done... I'm sorry they injured someone. She, she still hasn't done the Rhea Ripley and one-on-one match. We just feel like they were, they've been planning to do. And I, I just really want them to get it out of the way at this point so I don't have to think just, about it anymore. Uh, can we just skip it? Just like, next episode, please. I think they just want it for that moment. Oh, look, my God, can you believe she hit her with the riptide? Like, yeah. Yes, I can. Oh, my God, she's much bigger than my area. Oh, my God, such a powerhouse. And you're like, you're just saying that because she's bigger. How, how can anyone eliminate the big show? Everyone does it. Never taking more than one person <laughs> to eliminate the big show, ever. Yeah, get Piper Niven as well if they want to try and, like, do a big girl match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, and... Like we've still got to think of a big match for for February because you know they're going to Perth for the the championship, so she's got to have a big hometown yeah. match. She surely defends it in the chamber to close the show, right? Like, oh, yeah. you would hope so. Although the, then Sammy yeah. versus Roman wasn't a chamber match, um, and so, yeah, but that also wasn't a homecoming. So yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that being the case. Like the raw, like women, like in the chamber. Because I think I've seen a lot of people rumour that the men's chamber for that might, might involve Cody Rhodes winning the match to get to Roman to make the Rumble less predictable. I do think whoever fights Rhea, if it's going to be Becky, shouldn't do it by winning the Rumble. Because my personal pick for winning the Rumble is, is Bailey to go on to then fight Io at WrestleMania. I think that should be the story. Yeah. Mm. And plus, Becky doesn't really need it. And I said to Dave when we talked about it on Central, I've convinced myself it should be Bailey because Bailey also a Grand Slam champion, but also Money in the Bank winner and everything. The one thing Bailey's never done is win a Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Like the literally the one thing Bailey's got left on a, a list. <laughs> to do list for twenty twenty four. Royal Rumble. <laughs> so I mean I think we uh, is that like I don't think anyone's getting sick of a good fight. In fact, Judgment Day recently and they helped me win a draft recently as well. I've been literally everywhere because like as Ty Chant Damien that can go across brands. She's been in NXT helping Dom win the North American Championship. She's even competed in matches on NXT. And also you notice the one time he didn't have Mami there to help him. What did Dom do? He lost the North he American lost. title. Shocker. I'm pretty sure he got a scalp when he got home for that. Oh, like there was a line on the Raw before the NXT where he got it back where she said to him, if you don't win that North American title, don't bother coming home. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough as well. I mean, that's enough to put the fear in any man. I mean, if that was in front of a Scottish crowd, he'd be getting getting chance of doms on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to, I mean, we just mentioned a match with Zoe Starr. That's the most recent thing that she's done at time recording. We've still got, you know, we can only really speculate where she's going to go from here, but I'm going to get everyone's final thoughts here. Like, eh... Gonna give you your, who would you surmise Rhea Ripley's kind of run in WWE so far despite all the pitfalls and what do you think how much further do you think Rhea Ripley can go do you think that she's still got the sky's still a limit for her or do you think she's maybe approaching her her peak in terms of what she's accomplished so far Matt I'll start with you not to put anyone on the spot or anything no 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 it was ready for the question I think you can make an argument that she's the third biggest star in the company behind Cody and Roman like that that, that kind of level I, I, I do think she's got um more levels um to the game I think the main event of mania is you know the the, the obvious thing to achieve going to Australia for a PLE in, in February before it 
all signs point to her going on an incredible, you know, sort of main event run there. Um, I'd be interested to see how the Judgment Day story concludes, how her story mm-hmm. with Dom concludes. Um, so that so you've both got you know massive matches still to do. Um, you know, with 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 either key people from the generation above her in 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 in, in Becky Bailey and Charlotte or or some of the newer arrivals. So I think she's got those main event pieces to to, to achieve. She's got the Judgment Day and Dom stories to conclude. But also, I'm kind of ready for her to bring up, you know, others in her generation as well. We talked a lot about, you know, the matches she's had this year. I can't really say that she's made Raquel better. She's made Zoe better. You know, I think she's ready for that. Who's going to be her peer in her generation? Much like Charlotte and Becky made each other better. Who's going to be her sort of generational peer? So, yeah, the, the sky continues to be the limit for her. I think she's got an incredible 2024 ahead um, and still so much, you know, to grow into. She can, she can do it all. Um, she's, she's a great promo, you know, great in the ring with the right opponent. I think she's got several levels left to, to achieve in her career. Hey, Sarah. Um, well, I, I've made it well known, especially like when we were planning the show that I want her to break the barriers for for gender barrier wrestling like I've already made the comparison to this generation's Eddie in China China broke those barriers I would love to see even if Rhea doesn't like she doesn't actually need like once she once she drops her belt I would love to see her do a men's royal rumble because let's just face it I don't want the last um women in my memory in the men's royal rumble to be Nia Jax right I don't want that anymore right I want more dominance because you've seen people in the past, China, Beth Phoenix, those sort of folk, and they've done what they needed to do to obviously get there. But then this is where I think that like WWE falls behind because they have the people to answer to when it comes to intergender wrestling. You have Impact that've been doing it for years, like Jordan Grace holding the X Division Championship, Tessa Blanchard being like the world champion that's traditionally for the men as well, and you're not scared to do it and the whole people going oh I don't want to hit a girl with all fairness Rhea would fucking hit you back twice as hard anyway and that's not even just as a person that's her character as well she is a big badass that is not afraid so that's what I would like to see is break down those barriers even and like I don't think it'll ever happen for WWE if it does it's going to take a long ass time but I would maybe like her to put down the foundations for some like some gender neutral stuff, especially now that you're going to get more people from like trans community or LGBTQ that are like gender fluid, gender neutral, that maybe don't feel comfortable wrestling men or feel comfortable wrestling women that they can just mix and match. So I think I think with the progression especially with that LGBTQ umbrella now very much expanding, that I would like to see foundations. And if Rhea starts doing that, then like that's her legacy. And I would love to see her maybe start doing that. I mean, looking at Ripley's run in this year alone, like to go back to a point Sarah made earlier on, Roman's only had like 11 matches this year about that. To compare, 
Bria, as of Survivor Series, has competed in 53 this year. So already she's showing off that she's clearly there to do the work. I mean, yeah, according to this, she only wrestled one match in the entirety of February, but that's all right. I mean, it was a marquee match on a pay-per-view. Can't complain about that one. But where does Ripley go from here? I just do not want them to muck it up. Like like they were saying earlier on, like if the plan is Becky and Rhea uh, mania, just leave it at that. Don't stick in Nikki Cross for anything. Just leave it as just them. Like, just basically anything that does not involve being saddled with a crap tag team partner. Give us more with her and Dom. Give us enough of it that when the time comes that they decide to end that, we're like, we're here for that. Don't, but basically, if it ain't broke, don't fix. Know when you think, well, okay, it's run its course, let's move her on to something else and make that next something else something worthwhile. That's all we want because, god damn it, we want, we love this stuff. <laughs> we love Red Flag. It's still <laughs> real to me. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I know, like I said, that I felt like they were justified not putting her in the main event against with Charlotte because of the story with Sammy here and there. But eventually, she should, like we said, get the 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 match in the main event. Like Becky, her could easily main event next year because Becky's done it before. So you've got the evidence to see that can be done because uh, they've only done two so far: Becky and the Triple Threat and the uh, the Bianca Sasha Banks. One for me and night one at 37. So it's there's still room for it to happen. I think, like you said, yeah, the Judgment Day story will be very telling in the next couple of years because the whole thing we, we Priest saying he's the leader, but then we basically went, yeah, you're leader for war games. But I think unofficially, even though they say, oh, Judgment Day doesn't have a leader, we all know Rhea is the real leader of the gym. So she's going to oh, play yeah. a pivotal role in the Judgment Day's eventual breakup and splintering, which is probably going to see Priest get sent out on his own. Uh, which seems to be the story going forward and how she plays into that because I think she's like, we talk, we compare it to China I think her in this group is the most prominent role in a female side in a mostly male faction since China and the original DX uh, so there's another character there, I'd, I'd agree with you there I'd love to see her mixing up with the men and everything because she could easily do it, I mean yeah, we did even mention that Christmas Raw 2022, she just challenges they said, hey you and me match now <laughs> And she absolutely battered him. Yeah, I'd love it when that happens. So much so that one time he walked in the corridor in the backstage, I'd seen her, and then turned away and buggered off. <laughs> like he knows he's got, he's have, he has nightmares about me. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay. So that's definitely. You know, um, I, I'm very interested to see what happens to her when she doesn't have the vision day or Dominic Mysterio after this. Like, where does she go here? Because she's still getting cheered. But it's Dom that gets booed, so it's not like they hate the two. No, they love Rhea, but hate Dominic. So where do they do to go when they're no longer, you know, a thing? But I do. I would agree. I think more so now that I've looked back on it for this show, I realise like, wow, main roster wise, like from the latter days of NXT when she went lost the belt to Charlotte up until Mania Backlash 2022 when she joined the Judgment Day, they made a lot of mistakes with Rhea Ripley. You know, despite Triple H's best efforts in the original NXT US run to build her up as the next big thing, you know, in the women's division, she, they made up. They, they main roster did not know how to handle her, and like 
Basically, when you look at the late 2021 and the early 2022, you were like, wow, Vince really went off the deep end towards the end, didn't he? <laughs> in a lot of creative ways. But I think being part of a faction helped. And like she's had so many partners over the years. And who would have thought the partner that stuck was Dominic Mysterio, of all people. And yeah, like Sky's still on it. Hopefully, if they keep this trajectory going, she can be like a standard, like a key figure like a four horseman esque figure in the women's division for years to come because there's only been a few women who have properly had sustained runs outside of the four horsemen in the last few years. Like Asuka, Eo's kind of on that trajectory. As a cup Bianca's there as well, but like there were women like Alexa Bliss, Carmella, other women who got brief runs as champion outside of the four horsemen. But it was always a case of eventually you drop it back to a horseman member and when they're not in the title scene they get very much lost. So you know, as much as the four horsemen they say have done a lot for women's wrestling, you need women like Rhea, like Bianca, like you, who can, you know, also carry loads so you're not relying on the same four people all the time. Yeah. And uh, and with that, we will bid you adieu and this episode about Rhea Ripley. Tune in in January when our first feature show of twenty twenty four will be about Dominic Mysterio's deadbeat dad, Rhea Mysterio. So he claims to be. Yes. Hopefully, if the panel do not discuss whether or not he may or may not be, actually be Dominic's dad, then <laughs> you know, Rhea Ripley to Dominic is like what Yondu says to Peter Quill. He may have been your father, but he weren't your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, but, but don't call Rhea Ripley Mary Poppins, she'll fucking batter you. But <laughs> we've got that coming up. We've got some stuff with Adderaf Live as the new season's kicking off. We've got East Meets West coming into the into December. We'll have a Christmas special for that. Stay tuned to find out more about that. Uh, there's also a Christmas special. This is our top 10. Uh, everyone gives their list of the top 10 men's, top 10 women's wrestlers. all kind of list, and we argue who was right and who was wrong. Fucking didn't get me started on that, by the way. Didn't get me started on that. I already I seen one thing, and I went, who the f- did that? I want names. I was like, pretty much trying to bully poor David Campbell into telling me who said a certain name on a list and why one other certain name was not on everyone else's lists. I was I having I a bad time. Oh, oh, crap, to. <laughs> yeah. well, we can, we so, can name shame people off air. But yeah. <laughs> well, make sure you know, make sure you stay uh, up to date with all the content, everything that's going on at Suplex, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, maybe not LinkedIn, but <laughs> I don't know why I feel like I need to mention LinkedIn. I did it on Central, but it's like, it's a social media platform, technically. Do we have a LinkedIn? We should. We okay. wouldn't use it, but it'd be funny to have. It just, it just seems oh, so, so out there. to connect with you. <laughs> <laughs> you just randomly get, this big man wants to connect with you. You're like, ah, shit. <laughs> Is this real? Uh, make sure to take uh, that catalog of past feature shows, past episodes central and all the other shows I mentioned. And the back of all good Android podcast dates, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Bobby, wherever you get your podcasts from. Stay tuned for all the content we've got coming in 2024 and beyond. But thank you to my panel. Thank you for the first time to Matt Smith. Now I can't unmute. At the end, I'm tired. Um, yeah, real pleasure. I enjoyed this a lot. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully can be back in the new year too. Don't worry about Matt. He's tired. He works with fucking children. Uh, thank you once again to Daniel Campbell. You're very welcome. Thank you, everyone. This has been Chris Anthony Lopez coming to you from Chicago. Instead of all the times I've spoken to you, this has certainly been one of them.
I mean, well, it's been certainly one of the nicest times that you've spoken to me um, and that I've been actually somewhat nice to you. Um, but no, it's it feels good to be back from a, a very long hiatus for myself, but my puppy is barking at the door. So back to my attention, she, I go for her. Well, and I've been your, well, I've been your host, Scott McLeod. Thank you, everybody, for joining us through Ripley. Have a good judgment day. Have a happy new year. And, you know, remember, Mammy's always on top. Bye-bye. Hell yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.